You are listening to the Hello Sport Podcast. What is up, punters and dribblers? Welcome back to another episode of All Talk with Tom and Eddie, Hello Sport Podcast. That's us. Back for another week talking to people of note, athletes of note, people doing cool things. Now, this next gentleman joining us is a friend of the show. We did speak to him uh, maybe last year sometime, um, but he certainly never appeared on All Talk. Uh, he is an Olympic medal winner, an Olympic medalist. I don't know how you say that. He's a bronze medalist at the Olympics for boxing. He has a bronze medal. Bronze medal for Olympics. There you go. That's way easier. Kid can box. Kid can box. Kid's a great boxer. Kid's yeah. gone pro. Kid's gone back, back to chase Olympic gold. glory. Unfinished business sort of stuff. Yeah. As a boy, dreamt of gold, gold, gold for the nation. Bronze not going to cut it for the kid. So he's coming back trying to ply his trade, trying to make the nation proud. He's had a big year, an up and down year, but... He's back. One of the most interesting people you're ever going to talk to, ever going to hear from, the great, the powerful Harry Garside. <laughs> yeah, you're interested in a bike you don't know, mate. Yeah, He's just had a kid. Yeah, he hasn't yeah, named it. He hasn't named it. So yeah. Don't you have to fuck life. him when you leave? Don't you have to chuck him on the birth certificate? Oh, I sleep a, a blank one, actually. Yeah. yeah, but I had to... F- Dude, when they did it with, uh, with my wife, they had her last name on it. Now I'm fucking, I'm a modern man and I don't really give a shit, but uh, there was a part of me that was yeah. like, I'm, st- I'm not that modern. <laughs> <laughs> no shame in admitting yeah, it, mate. 100%, mate. It's all in us. We want it's, that I listen, I that can't remember. Yeah, I need to pass on my genes or pass on the name. My genes have been passed on successfully. Yeah. As far as we know. But then after your, great, after your grandchildren, no, no one fucking remembers you anyway. So it doesn't, I know. doesn't matter. <laughs> so true. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, do you ever think about your great-great-grandfather? You don't, don't you go, you go to your gra- you go above you to the grandparents, below you to, to your grandchildren, that's it. Yeah. Otherwise, it's funny. Like, I maybe you're a bit like if you win Olympic goal, like people might be able to look you up, right? This sport is fucking podcast as well. What are you talking oh, about? Oh, well, well, yeah, sure. Yeah, but again, true. hello, sport, yeah, bro. yeah, yeah. People are like, oh, wow, well, I remember that. that do you podcast. reckon, yeah, like, how long do you reckon people talk about hello, sport for? Well, listen, maybe the a thousand years, right? Actually, actually, yeah, a fair bit. Yeah. Thousand I was like, years talking to a few boys this morning about it, actually. Well, there you go. That's look, that's one generation we've got covered now. We just need to do a Fuckload more. <laughs> <laughs> a thousand years worth. It is funny though. I remember like when one of my grandparents died and you're like cleaning out their shit and you're looking at these photos, which to them at the time is like them and all their mates and you're like, you know, things like you hold on. Like, like I've got photos from like when I was a kid at like it's in a sports competition or whatever. And as soon as I'm dead, my kids are like, fucking <laughs> chuck that shit out. What are you talking about? Under 10's water polo? Why the fuck's he still got this? <laughs> you still take photos? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. That's in plan. Physical that copies? Plan. What the fuck's this, you old dickhead yeah that's true it's old school baby it is i like school. it you yeah. well mate what's been happening mate, I'm very well, yeah. it's been fucking obviously there's a shitload that's happened since you were last here but it was almost like i swear the last time you were here like the next day you were in the newspaper almost for like um going on the what's the reality show I'm a celebrity. I'm a celebrity. Get yeah. me out of here! Like that. I was, was trying next- to think today when was the time I went on. So yeah, it would have been just before. What that was that of- fucking like? I mean, I've heard. I think we heard Bo Ryan was on there. I think, but like Bo was on something. He was on something. He's on a lot. I think he was on that. I think he was on that. Yeah, it was, mate. It was unreal experience. You never, you never think when you start a sport at the age of nine that you're gonna be <laughs> gonna be bumping shoulders with like Pete Hallier or. I mean, I'm just like a boy from the sticks who just loves the sport of boxing and going yeah. on something like that. It was, it was grass, but it was, I lost like 10 kilos on that show and was... You don't have 10 kilos to lose. Mate, I was man. really struggling. <laughs> I remember the last, because there was no mirrors in there. And on one of the last days, because I was in there for 31 days, we um, 
we they took us into a portaloo on one of the last trials. And I could see myself in the mirror. I look like I was from Dallas Bias Club. I look, I look very sick. So you don't get the Oscar for it. I'm yeah, <laughs> looked very, very sick. Fucking hell! And was it like, I guess, because like, was it intimidating in any sense? Like with people you don't know. Like obviously you've been you have been known for a while, but like in that scenario, was it did it did it quickly like melt away in terms of like the who was who and like oh fuck it's Peter Hellier or was that always kind of there? Oh, for myself, it was it was kind of there for for a big portion of it. Maybe mm. not the whole time, but a big portion of it. I felt as well like the first first week. I haven't watched it back yet, but the the first week, I very much felt there was such big energy. I don't know if you know Nathan from Geordie Shaw. I remember Geordie Shaw. Huge energy, just like massive energy, and there was a couple other people with massive energy, and I was just like. Quite, I felt quite introverted at the start. Yeah, I right. felt like I really like felt quite scared because these are like big time celebrities. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I felt yeah, like yeah. I was there just making up numbers. <laughs> so I was um. <laughs> I found me like took me about a week or so to sort of find my feet and just like I guess be myself. But I found I found it like quite scary at the start. Did you find like I you, you watch shows like um, Love Island? And I'm not comparing that your show to Love Island. Well, there was no fucking on. I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. Not from what I saw. Not that we're aware of. <laughs> no. that he might be able to fill us in. Yeah. Uh, is that these people have been living together for like 72 hours, and one of them will get evicted, and people are bawling. Like I go, is this acting, or do you just form these really strong connections really quickly in in an environment like that? I definitely, yeah, 100%. We, the first eviction was two weeks. So you, you're on top of each other for two weeks. Yeah. And and when the first people left, it's like, like we were all sort of waiting for that moment. And it was quite sad. I don't know if I was like bawling. I don't think anyone was bawling. But like, <laughs> like maybe that other stuff's acting. But it was quite sad. Like yeah. you're sharing something quite unique, right? Like how often in our world do we ever just like break away you mean have no interaction with the world, have no phone, no sti- no st- nothing to st- like stimulate you, and you're there just connected to people, mm. like twelve people. It's quite a small group, and it was like quite emotional, quite deep. You mean a lot of laughs, a lot of fun, but like you're sharing something quite special that we don't do, and, and we're animals, and I think it's like the most primitive place we can go is like a space like I'm a celeb. Yeah. yeah, are you are you super close with people from the show now? I actually caught up with a few this morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I um. Yeah, pretty close. Obviously, life happens as well. Like, you know what it's like. Once you, once you leave sort of school or, yeah. or something like that, you're sort of you, – you're always going to be mates because you share something quite special. But, mm. like, life happens. Even, like, an old job. Like, I remember people when I used to work. Seriously, like even that's a good was, example. When I was in the Sani game, I used to sling sanitizer during the pandemic. Not pre-pandemic. That would have been very weird. That might but, be news to the audience as well. Yeah, yeah. No one's heard that. Um, but we used to – like, you hang out every day or, like, even on weekends and it becomes a thing and then I don't sling Sani anymore. I don't see any of those motherfuckers. You know, it just, oh, no, 100%, uh, mate, 100%. Like, you go from seeing these people all the time, people that you're close with, mm. and then just nothing. Nothing. I actually made a list on my phone, because I, I remember thinking that a couple of weeks ago, and I made a list on my phone, because I'm like, I've met so many amazing people in my life that I'm like, I want to stay in touch with them for the rest of my life. So where, made, we, where, where, where were we on the list? Yeah, mid-pack. Okay. <laughs> mid? <laughs> you're on the list. <laughs> yeah, like like high, high mid? It's, I don't know if <laughs> high I just, mid? I don't know if I, yeah, high mid. I don't but know yeah. if I should say this on the podcast. I've said this to you before, but I remember when I split up with my ex-missus, she knew my password, so I changed my passwords and I put your boy's name in the password. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember that. <laughs> I don't know if I should say that on the podcast. No, well, we should be high. Like yeah, that's, that's, we're, we're password yeah. level. We that's like know. low high. Yeah, that is actually... It was just after I was on the on the on the podcast, I was like, "Fuck, what do I what do I make it?" <laughs> I love that I was your password. Yeah, 
<laughs> that nice. pumps me up. Yeah. But then when you hear your mid-pack, it sort of changes it a little bit. You're like, well, again, thought maybe if you're a password level, you would not top, <laughs> but you're like closer to the top. Yeah, than close to mum and dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah exactly. I would see it more as like Cooper Cronk on the level, like the, the hierarchy of great halves. He's not an immortal, but he's a rung he's below. Yeah, we're a rung below. But he can see the top rung as yeah. well. That's how I would sort of picture Tom and I yeah. in your friendship <laughs> circles. <laughs> Did you get to, do you watch the show back once you're done and like do you have any reflection on like the way you're portrayed on there or is it pretty straight? Like the way they show you. I, I haven't watched it back. I know I'm I'm 90% sure that everyone else has watched it back, but I, I obviously come back to some pretty heavy stuff and yep. I'm like went from the most positive experience like that was one of the best experiences of my life besides obviously the olympics and a few other things and then to go into something negative i yeah. didn't want to watch it because i didn't want to tarnish the positive experience with a negative experience so oh, yeah. i still haven't watched it i feel like i'm personally mentally coming to a really really good headspace so i feel like i'll probably watch it before the year's out for sure what was it like coming back and like just fucking like did you know before walking out of the airport that they were all waiting there for you and the cops were coming and all that sort of shit? Nah, so I did know <clears throat> I did know something was up when I landed in South Africa. So I I've, I leave Australia, everything's fine. Oh. And then I I find out a few things when I land in South Africa and we've got like maybe four days and you lose your phone for three of them. So I find out there's a bit of a panic. I'm like, oh, Heck what dear. the hell's going on? And then I call some people who I know could help in those situations. And then um, you kind of forget about it, right? Because I knew I did nothing wrong. Yeah. And I'm like, like there'll be nothing happened when I when I get back. I knew I did nothing wrong. And then I'll I come back and it was like it's a pretty interesting story. You pick up your bags and with my dad, we've just flown business class for the first time, and. <laughs> the border security are like, Harry, come through here. I'm thinking, fuck, how good is this? They know who I am. <laughs> hey, come this way, Dad. Shortcut. And I walk in, I walk in, there's just like four coppers there. And my heart instantly drops. I'm thinking, what have I got in my bag? Fuck, another Chappelle Corby. Oh, here we yeah. go. I'm like, you start panicking, right? But again, still not thinking. I didn't think instantly, yeah. no. And then as soon as I sat down and there was some detectives and I was like, oh, I knew what was going on. And, um i pretty much i pretty much said like mate you can have a look at my phone now and this will all be over but i understand they've got to do their job and um yeah it was a shit situation to walk into yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> a terrible situation are you, are you like i guess like were you frustrated at the way it was handled in the sense that it's like obviously like you know they're doing their job based on accusations and shit but like right at the airport, media, like all that shit. It seemed like- Tip and off. And especially in the fullness of time, like it was a bit of a, let's get this famous guy, let's get as much attention on this as possible. It, def it definitely felt like that, yeah, for yeah. sure. And and for the charges that they were, it wasn't like they were actually proper assault charges. It was common yep. assault. Right. Common assault is like, almost like road rage. Right? Oh, so really? It's like, it's like quite low form where it's like a letter in the mail would have been- Sufficient. Like enough, yeah, sufficient enough for that. Um, and with the evidence that they had, but also as well, like, I don't know, they're in doing their job and, and I don't know, like I, I'm grateful I'm through it now. When I was, when I was like going through it, I was like so angry, yeah. mm. but like now I'm like, uh, I couldn't really care less. Like one door closes, another door opens and it, it, everything is always an opportunity, not a problem. And I, I learned more. I'm so grateful that situation happened because I learned more this year than any other year. Yeah. Yeah. I turned into a man this year. Yeah. I'm so happy. Was, was it frustrating, like, 
you, you say you were sitting there and the detectives like, Matt, I can show you your phone now. We'll just clear this up here. That it took as long as it did. Yeah. Is, like, is that just like, are they being thorough? Is it getting drawn out? Like, are you just sitting there going, mate? Yeah, and just more. This the, should be done. The reputational damage. Hundred percent. Right? Yeah. yeah, it's like they obviously didn't know what I had on my phone, but like to think I, I probably lost half a million dollars worth of like opportunities in that, and I'm a boy who come from no money, right? Yeah. That, that stuff sets you up for life. Hundred yeah. percent. Smart with it. Yeah. And yeah, that that's frustrating, but it's also like I'm 26. I just turned 26, so it's like. I've got so many years to make that back. Mm. Um, and as well, like, as I just said before, like, I'm I'm so grateful that situation happened. It's, I know that sounds so stupid, but I learned more in that last six months than any other period of my life. And um, you know who's real, who's not real, who reaches out, who stays quiet, who leads, a, who lends a hand. Yeah. I mean, it's a prime example, Hamish McLaughlin, you ever heard of him? Yeah, the Channel 7. Channel 7 host, yeah. yeah. Like, he didn't owe me any loyalty, but he's a really, really good man. I've been over to his house a couple of times. Very early in our friendship, but I did something with him. I recorded it in January, and it was it was like quite big. I was quite happy to be a part of it, and I was thinking he kept trying to call me after, and I was like really panicked because everyone just ran for the hills. All my brand deals and stuff like that ran for the hills, mm. and I'm thinking he's just gonna he's just gonna be another one. He's yeah. just gonna run for the hills as well. And I finally build the courage up to answer his phone call, and he goes, "How you feeling, mate?" I'm like, oh, like, to be honest, like I'm pretty flat right now. And he's like, didn't say anything about that. And I said, he's like, right at the end of the call, he's like, this is, is being launched on this date. I'm like, you're still going through with it? He's like, yeah, absolutely, mate. Absolutely, I'll never turn my back on you. Yeah. I'm like, he owed me nothing. And he was like, and you, so in moments like that, you see who's real and who's not, right? Yeah. And I'm really grateful for that because like, I think I was a young boy when I first sort of come into fame. And I don't know, now I feel like I'm, like, it sounds so stupid, but a man. Yeah, which is not. Nice. Oh fuck! Like yeah. you know, it's a, it's, a, it's such a hectic, hectic experience to have to go through that, and one where you're like, you could be forgiven for losing your faith in fucking humanity generally, right? Where you're just going like, Jesus Christ! Like the the gravity of false accusations like that, and like what they can do to you obviously monetarily, but just generally, right? Like it's done. Everything you've worked like. Like you could be forgiven for being like bitter and like fucking, you know. Did you have you found it difficult to to sound like Oprah, but to trust again? <laughs> yeah. um, to love again? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Though, right? Yeah, like, I've I've wrote so many. I've been writing heaps of poetry recently because it's quite heavy emotion, and I wrote heaps of poems about that. Like I, I never want this situation to take away from this. It's like I'm going to say because I'm quite deep, but like take away my ability to love. Like I won't let it beat me like that mm. because you think about love, and I don't know if you like feel it with your kids, with your partner. Like it's the most pure thing, and I, oh, yeah. I love when I'm in love with someone, and I love when I'm sharing my life with someone, and I never want. Never want that situation to, to take that away from me. Absolutely, there's a lot to unpack. And I haven't started properly dating or allowing myself to fall in love again, but it will come. Mm. It will come. But, like, absolutely, there's a bit to unpack in it. Yeah. <laughs> a few trust issues now. <laughs> yeah. Shocker. So, yeah. Yeah, shock horror. Is yeah. that something that you feel like you need to actively seek help to, like, unpack? Yeah. Or is I, it you just think that time's probably going to be enough for you? Time's always a big thing, but I've always seeked help. Yeah. Like, yeah, I've always seen sports psychs or psychologists and I'm like a big one of like, I always want to be better. Even like, I know everyone I tell this to is like looking at me like I'm stupid because they know the situation. But 
even that whole situation, right? I have to take some accountability in making that situation occur, right? How it's so? Like, as in, like in a relationship, we both bring problems to it, right? We're not per- neither of us are perfect, mm. and we're all wounded children acting like adults. And that's what happens in a relationship. And I've got to take some responsibility in how I showed up in the two years that me and my ex-partner were together. So I And I will reflect on that and I'll grow so a situation like that never happens again, right? Mm. And I'll, I will try and, and critique myself as much as I can so I can be a better partner, a better son, a better friend. Is there an element of that and... Is there an element of that though where you're sort of like blaming yourself for something like for someone else's actions in that regard where it's like, you know, everyone brings their own shit, right? But like, it's not your fault in any way for like that sort of level of an outcome. Yeah. Do you reckon? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because my, I think my natural standpoint being, I don't know if it was from my upbringing, but it comes from like, I'll throw myself under the bus before I blame anyone else, right? Yeah. And individual sport, it's like when you lose, it's, it's on, on you. you. It's on yeah. you. It's on no one else. Mm. Um, so I understand that's probably my standpoint, but I do understand that also is a big asset to have because it'll always make me reflect on my own actions mm. so I can be better and show up better um, as a friend, partner, son, whatever. Yeah. How relieving was it then when – because like even before we were talking about like it took a while for things to – for the police to sort of do what they did. But I think I remember you saying like comparative to some people, it actually kind of turned around quite quickly, right? Where they dropped all the charges and then it's now flipped. That like must've just been one of the great weights off your shoulder. And then to see, you know, obviously there's a, it's tinged with a little bit of like maybe cynicism, but like how quickly everything sort of people, the the general uh, sentiment has changed back to being like, holy fuck, this poor cunt's been through it. Like, (laughs) how's that experience been like where it's like, everything's gone, oh shit, now it's all coming back. Yeah, it was that that month, so it was four weeks. So four weeks I got charged on the second or something and and four weeks later it was was all over. And just like (laughs) that month, like to think about the depths of hell that I was in and then to have that relief and weight lifted off the shoulders when, when it was... I guess over for myself uh, was was massive, and I guess it just like as I said before, and I, I'll keep saying, everything's always an opportunity, not a problem. Like it sort of was the propel forward that I needed. I, I made a deal to myself in the jungle that I'm going for the Olympics. I'm going to try and do something that's never been done and win a gold medal for Australia in, in boxing. And it's like that situation just made me have to focus on that because I couldn't sit in my bedroom and be sad mm. because it was just like if, if I did that, I would just I probably would still be there. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I just focused on my goals for that whole month, and then when it was all over, I could fully, properly just like sort of cut the cut the the ties with with that whole situation and focus on Paris twenty twenty four. Punters and dribblers, we are brought to you by Neds, the best betting platform in town. Um, Tell you what, if you've been following along on my profile, because obviously I've been overseas, so I've just been whacking up me bets for about even on the Neds profiles app, you'd see some... I, th- I seem to bet better when I'm not around people and I'm just able to eyeball the talent on game day, see what's happening. It's when I'm able to be as, as, as gifted as I think I am. So basically what you're saying is it's a lot harder to bet almost a week in advance. That is games. what I'm saying, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for example... You could say it's also a 24 hours before a game, though, right? No, because if you're putting your bets in on Wednesday morning and there's a game Sunday night... There's also a game on Thursday. Yeah, but that, I'm not talking about that one. Right. I'm talking about the other games where maybe, you know, Nathan Cleary doesn't play yeah. or Hines doesn't play. Yeah. Well, Nathan Cleary did play, but Hines doesn't play. Yeah. You get caught out. You do get caught out. You know? You, you do. You get caught out. If you're following on my prof is what I'm saying is yeah. daddy 
they are calling me daddy value. And I didn't come up with that either. It's embarrassing. How many bets you get on the weekend? Two. I got three. <laughs> well, <sighs> but you're not a dad, so they can't call you daddy value. Dad of a dog. Well, you, they could call you doggy style value. Doggy value. I don't know. It doesn't really have the same ring to Why? it as daddy value. You've been pettist. Well, it's not pettist. You aren't a father. I'm father of a dog. No, you're not a and father tonka. of a dog. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Shout out to Neds. We love you. Shout out to Neds. Uh, you can follow our profiles on Neds. You can also join the About Even group um, where the you know everyone's sharing their bets in there and shit. I actually followed one of Gurus yesterday, uh, which was a Joey Manu away. Yeah, it didn't get up. No, it didn't. He was very lucky that his unit scooper got up. See, I've got a bone of contention there because if that was me, there's no way I'm getting given those nine units. No, but he's, no, but he's got it on and the bet stands. Yes. So it's live. The bet's right. live. Well, I'm just saying, I don't know that I would be afforded. This is what Tobler and I were discussing anyway in the green room. I know this is still a live read. This is a bone of contention. I don't think that I would be afforded the same graces where apparently I'm not getting... So fucking, you think the bet's void altogether? Well, I'm saying you have been robbing me of units even though all my bets were going up last week. Well, no, you, we robbed you of two bets. Two. Right. You didn't put one up for the Titans game or whatever it was and you didn't do a unit scooper. That was all you robbed But I for. did the bets. I no, just you didn't. didn't. You didn't put them up. They went on your profile. They, they weren't went on there. my profile? No. Well, I'm gonna, I'm, I'll show you. There was one game where there was no profile bet. There wasn't. I went through it last week. You didn't do, you didn't do two bets, and you lost fucking well, two Tobler units, told that's me, it. told me I, none of my, all my bets are void because they're not online. One of them. Okay, so Tobler doesn't even listen. You're right. So that's the problem. That's the problem. We've, we've now uncovered that. You didn't do a unit scooper last week. That was void, so you lost a unit. Yep. And then there was one other bet out of eight. Okay, well, so Tobler's lying. Then. Yes. Tobler's lying to you and I. Correct. Well, he's lying on your behalf. Shocking. Thanks, Neds. Cheers, Nads. Fuck you, Tobler. Now, you win some, you lose more. For free and confidential support, visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Partners and dribblers, it's the most generous podcasters of all here, Tom and Eddie. Here to look after the punter and the dribbler and their drinking needs. Mm. It's still rosé drinking season, we know that. It's worth having a couple of bottles laying around. Yeah, I don't expect you to drink it in the driving rain, but I just went outside and the sun's out, baby. Oh, really? Sun's out, bum's out again, and it's fucking hot out there. I'll be losing the jacket, Tom. Mm. I can promise you that. So you need a couple of cases laying around your digs. You just do. Well, it's certainly when you've got guests, you're entertaining. Hey, come round. A couple of Sheila's come round. You want to be able to crack a bottle yeah. and impress? Yeah. Of course you do. Now, you're going to get 50 bucks off each case if you use the code MANLY. That's a gift from Tom and I at hellosport.shop. Six bottles. You're getting $50 off hellosport.shop. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Be prepared. Yeah. And if you're not prepared, you're prepared to fail. It's not the saying, but it's all right. Fail to prepare, prepare to fail. Got it. Hellosport.shop. Do you carry with you any, like, uh, do, you, do you view people differently? Like, obviously you would, but do you hold grudges against people that might have turned their back on you at that time? Like sponsors, for example, that are like, you know what? And I understand that PR is so important to, to sponsors in this sort of climate, but, like, do you look at a brand that sort of turns its back and go, you know what? Probably not, not, my, so, not for me now. Yeah, probably not so much. There's a couple. There actually is a couple. Yeah, now now I think about it. Name them. <laughs> 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 I'll say one that I'm really happy that they stayed by me. Yeah. Swiss multivitamin. Oh, there you go. Yeah, because they they stuck by me um, like massively when they didn't have to. They're a massive company, mm. right? Mm. And I've got a great relationship with with the team there and the people that I've dealt with there. And for them to stick by me, 
obviously knowing that I've met them numerous times. Mm. They they believe the person that they've met. Um, and for a massive company like that to say buy me, I'm really grateful. There absolutely was <laughs> some people who saw more so some companies that like they ran for the hills. But I also do understand the world we live in. No one wants to get cancelled. Yes. No one wants to like you know, it's the world we live in right now. We all watch what we yeah. say. We're all yeah, working yeah, yeah. on like, you know, eggshells and shit. You know what I mean? It's like, it's kind of scary, isn't it? <laughs> you could, yeah. We could say, we could say something right now and ruin ourselves. Right? Well, it's funny. So Sorry, I boys, you know, you know oh, the alarms. Yeah. You're going to do it with me, all right? You're going to do it with <laughs> what me. Are we doing? What are we doing this time? Well, think of a goal that you boys have. Maybe yeah. you sold out Big Day Rosé in 26 minutes. Maybe, yeah. I don't know. Well, 20 minutes next time. <laughs> 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe even 19. So visualize yourself achieving that goal. All right. right? So all right. right. Where's this leaving? <laughs> I just kept moving it yeah, down. Sa- yeah, same. I got it down like nine minutes. Dude. I had a six pack in mine as well. I don't know what that was about. <laughs> I was ripped in mine. It was fucking weird. They were yeah. selling out so quick. Make it sweet love to my wife, dude. <laughs> she was loving it. Dude, I love that. We should do that more. Let's go back. It's <laughs> the sick, bro. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. What were we saying? Um, just like dogs and that gr- grudges. Oh yeah, yeah. But there was actually so I had a question anyway. Doesn't matter. Something about the cancel culture. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it's edge. Cancel culture is fine. Oh, I think that was it. Someone was saying like you've already said the thing you get cancelled for, which in our rackets, fucking, we probably said many things that we get cancelled for. It's crazy to think like you think about was it who was the guy um, Kevin Hart. Like said something twenty years ago. Yeah, that's somehow, a, yeah, it was like ages ago, and he apologized then. I'm pretty sure, mm. and then he gets a job taken off him. Yeah, the Oscars took it taken yeah, off him as well. It's pretty like that's pretty that's pretty wild. It's crazy, right? Like again, when like at the time, no one gives a shit, and then like we were talking. This, it's it's a similar thing we were talking about with Entourage. You remember the show Entourage? Did you ever watch I that? Never watched it. No. So and like I mean I won't explain what fucking Entourage is, but it's like <laughs> in the show watching it now, given the climate, like it's super fucking misogynistic, right? Like it's still a funny show, but chicks are like fucking ornaments, basically. Yeah. It's like a Hollywood sort of thing. But I remember at the time, like I was eighteen, maybe in high school, like seventeen, eighteen, sixteen, whatever. Like, and you just didn't really bat an eyelid at the it sort w- of the way that they would speak. And it like, wasn't even bat an eyelid. I just didn't see it. Yeah, you didn't see it. Exactly. Wasn't aware of it. And then you watch it back like, what, 20, what, 15 years later. We were watching it the other day in Melbourne. <laughs> we were looking at each other going, oh, mate, this is, this is punchy. Like some of it, like 95% of it's fine, but there's a couple of things here and there. You're like, ooh, yeah, yeah this wouldn't get made anymore. <laughs> no, but, <laughs> no. you know, like at the time, like you can't go back and fucking cancel a show because it was at the time, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. It's, we all change, right? I know. Yeah, everything's yeah. And it's going to be crazy to think like, when our, like, as I look at the older generation sometimes, and I, I always have empathy, and, and I, some of my mates have, like, got completely different political views to me, and I still respect them. I still mm. love them as a person. Yeah, exactly. This is what you believe in politically. I couldn't care less. Like, no. I love you as a person. What you believe in in your head, if you believe in conspiracy theories, that's fine. Like, I couldn't care less. Mm. Like our little mate there, D.O. Dave. Who's <laughs> yeah. He's a communist, so we still love him. Pro North Korea, but that's cool. He's pro North Korea, yeah. It does, listen, and we still love him. I don't think he loves us, though, because of our political I know, and that's the difference. Yeah, across the political aisle. You might need to sit down with Harry. Yeah. One thing or two about empathy, mate. Okay. <laughs> Harry's got a dial, mate. He's not much older than you. He might even be younger than you. How old are you? 26. Just turned 26. 
No, I'm 25. Oh, oh God, doesn't yeah. put no, just the maturity level. Oh, just, <laughs> it's just, but it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I haven't it's been to an Olympics, but <laughs> you could for smoking cones. You yeah. could if there was an event. Gold medal for Australia. Yeah, you could. Iron lungs. Iron lungs. That's when right. you um before you before you went to the jungle. But I guess once it was out, like once it had been publicised that you were going to go, there was like some shit with your boxing trainer at the time and like I guess you separated from him there. At that time were you – well, I guess the article was kind of like, oh, you're not, you weren't, you weren't going to box anymore. At least that was maybe the inference or maybe that's just my memory. But like – I think it was professional boxing. Professional boxing. Were you always – was that the plan? Were you like, oh, I just want to try for the Olympics? Like how, what was that situation? So I guess to answer that question, I have to go back last year. So a big portion of last year, I was I felt quite lost, and I I couldn't put my finger. I remember like August, September last year, I was just like really lost, and I didn't really know what was going on. And and I can happily say or easily say now that I think it was because I was so disconnected to myself. Like as a young boy, I wanted to win a gold medal. It wasn't a bronze medal. Like, that was, like, a success. It was great, but I wanted to win a gold medal. And, and Australia's never done something like that, and, and that's what I wanted to do. And I think they shine some money at me after the Olympics, and I, and I walk in that direction, right? Every fighter on my leg besides one did the exact same thing. They didn't win gold, some of them, but they all turned professional after. And, mm. and I thought that was a natural progression, but I felt really disconnected to myself most of my professional boxing career. And I think it's because I turned my back on that young kid. That young kid almost was a sellout, right? And I I was tossing up. There was three options at the end of last year, whether I walk away from boxing altogether, whether I stick a professional boxing, set myself up for life with some money and some opportunities, but be disconnected to myself or make no money, but be reconnected to myself and try for the Olympics and win a gold medal. And I actually gave the jungle the place where I was going to figure that out. I was like, this is a hassle because I was still undecided mm. on what to do. And then I come out of it or halfway through the jungle, I'm like, nah, I'm going for the Olympics for sure. For sure. And and I, ever since I come out, I'm just like full steam ahead. Going for 2024, it. yeah. So, Sick, dude. So what was it about the jungle that got you, that, you know, gave you the clarity? So it has, has to be like, it was the stripping away of the ego, Right when you're living in a big city like this, and I've never lived close to a city like like this before, and living in like the east of all places too, and being built up, I guess, by my professional career, getting a lot more media opportunities and stuff like that. That's like the ego. The ego wants me to stay in there. The ego likes that. The ego loves that. Wants the money. Wants the fame. Wants the attention. That's what you get in professional mm. boxing. And when I went on, it sounds so so weird, almost like ironic because I'm on a TV show, which is getting attention. But in that, you sort of forget you're on a TV show. And everyone there was just like treating me like Harry. And I felt like it was a stripping away of the ego. And I felt like a little boy again who just had a dream of being an Olympic gold medalist. Yeah. Yeah. Was, was there any part of that boy though that saw that the next step into professional boxing? Or did you just... Was there never really any plan to fall into professional boxing? It just sort of happens after the Olympics. Like, I'm just trying to work out how you saw professional boxing versus amateur Olympic boxing. So, actually, I, I think growing up, I always thought that was a natural progression. But then I got into professional boxing and, and I realized that it was like, I've got, I'll probably go back to it after the Olympics for sure. Like, yeah. absolutely. But I also. Like, Australia's never won an Olympic gold medal for boxing. Like, I'm trying to do something that's never been done before. Yeah. And, and 
like I fell in love with sport growing up in memories like John Aloisi, UBLT, scoring mm, yeah. that goal 2005, yeah. Grant Hackett in 2004, all the amazing moments watching Australia in the Com Games, the Olympics, anything Australian, the Ashes, like I'm I'm locked in, right? Yep. And Perkins 96. <laughs> Yeah, well, I wasn't. I wasn't old enough. Yeah, it was nine. Lane eight. <laughs> Lane eight. What, I've yeah. watched it. What a, what a fucking Lane race. eight. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, what a race. Yeah, <laughs> one for the ages. Um, but yeah, I grew up watching stuff like that, right? And mm. and I and I understand you could probably do that in professional boxing, but it's just very, it's very different. It's an individual thing where I think representing Australia, putting on the green and gold, that's like a patriot. Patriot is every kid mm. wants to go to the Olympics. Every kid wants to wear the green and gold in their chosen sport. I love that. Mm. I love that because they're my favourite memories too, Olympic memories oh, from yeah, like a absolutely. sporting perspective. 2000 was fucking the shit. Yeah, we, we like, I feel like that's my happy place, the yeah, year yeah. 2000. Yeah. The world made sense back then. Yeah, we would have sold heaps of rosé in the year 2000. Oh, shit. Yeah, thinking, yeah. Oh, <laughs> mate, mate, yeah, nine minutes, nine eight minutes, minutes seven, six, minutes, five, maybe, whatever. Fuck. How, so you were saying in the green room earlier that, uh, is it next week or next month, one of the big qualifying events for, uh, Paris 2024 is coming out. Yeah, so it's end of November. So we um <clears throat> pretty much between now and then it's just heavy training. We're going to Europe next next month for like three weeks. Um, some competition, mostly training, mm. and then the big ones nine weeks away. We've got the Pacific game, so you got to win that one. Um, Australia usually has a big success rate <clears throat> at the Pacific Games, but those island countries you can never overlook them in a sport yeah. like boxing. So athletic can bang usually mm. and and you don't really know who they are so you can't can't find any footage on them so you've got to um, uh, adapt pretty quickly shit. yeah yeah no, when we've had uh well, we have had fighters and you know combat people on before and you never want to be like well what if you don't win but i guess the only reason i ask is because of how disconnected you were talking about feeling before like have you do you allow yourself to think about what if, if you don't go over and win gold and whether that will fuck you up or like whether you need to have things in place to be sort of like, or is it just one of those things you need the steel mind of like, I'm going to do it? I think I think regardless, win, lose or draw, right, at the next year's Olympics, like there's going to be a lull. And I I went through that last year and and I think, I think I'm preparing for it now, just knowing that even if I do win a gold, like... I'm going to feel shit yeah, at some point, okay. right? It might not be instantly. It might be six months later, but you've got to come down from that mountain one day. And and, I, and I'm preparing for that now. Even thinking about, I'll probably go back into professional boxing after and um, see where that takes me. But like eventually I won't be boxing. I'm going to be thinking about, hey, what are we, what are we doing after that? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? You dedicate your whole life to something from the age of nine. I don't have a degree. I don't have a qualification. Mm. Like I was a plumber for two years and I'm shit ass at that. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going back to that. Like I've got to, got to figure out what I'm doing. So yeah. I'm thinking about that now though, yeah. which I'm grateful for. So you, do, you don't ever go, listen, it all falls over. I just get back on the tools, put the tool belt back on. The thought of that makes me feel very sick. <laughs> My brother would be loving it though. <laughs> I swear that bastard is like slave labour. I've worked with him like a few times. He's a plumber. He's got his own business. And when your brother asks you to do something, like I'm never going to say no. He's yeah. like my best mate. And I swear he just gets me doing the shooter jobs and never fucking pays me. <laughs> never fucking pays me. Like, Pay mate. your brother. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what's his name? Jack. Jack, come on, mate. Come on, Jack. <laughs> come on, mate. Hey, brother, stop making him do the poo jobs. Stop Can't making him mate. in there fucking Can't mate. He's covered in feces. How do you how do you, how are you reflecting on this preparation versus uh for Tokyo? Is it completely different? Is it is it feeling like slipping into an old pair of jeans? Does it feel like home? 
Yeah, it's funny. Like, I, I love getting deep. So I was about to apologize for it, but I love it. Um, Don't apologize. There was, yeah, there was, there was a big resistance to it, right? Because I've done so much work on myself and, and I've always knew that there was something, there was a miscreant in me and I, and I just knew that something wasn't right inside myself from an early age, right? There was like, I feel like I'm swinging between a pendulum, right? I'm the happiest guy in the room. Or I don't want to be here, mm. right? I've, and I feel like I've been swinging that pendulum for a long time. Very rarely am I in the middle, mm. right? And I just, it sounds, but I, it's it's not about ridding yourself of those things. It's about learning to manage them, like for myself. That's, mm. And I think there was a big resistance because in order for me to be successful for most of my boxing career prior, prior to Tokyo and Tokyo, I fed this little beast inside of me that just felt like I was so small. I was shit. Every training session wasn't good enough. Mm. You mean, I just was like so hard on myself. And every time you lost, you're critiquing yourself more. Even when you win, you're like, nah, you can do better. It's not the Olympic goal. Like, if that makes sense. Everything mm. was so negative. Mm. And post-Olympics, I really worked on myself a lot. And I feel like for the first time in my life, I feel more secure in my own skin than I ever have before. And... I'm almost like there was like a big resistance to trying for t for Paris because I was like, I know the pattern that's worked before, mm. and in all I think in order to win a gold medal, I have to feed that little beast yep. more, more than I ever have before. Really? And I'm like, I feel happy in my own skin than I ever have. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like terrified. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm like terrified of it, but I'm also like, I've been talking to sports psychs and a few people about it because I do believe that that could also be the thing that made me a bronze medalist, not a gold medalist. Ah. Right? Because it's like someone like a Tom Brady, Serena Williams, Tiger Woods, they believe they're the best. Yep. Kelly Slater, they yeah. know they're the best. Mm. They're just performing, right? Yeah. And me always critiquing myself, always going, you're not good enough. It's like that was playing into it, right? Yeah. Fully. So you flipped it on its head and absolutely have the same attention to detail when it comes to training and showing up and putting everything into it but change a few things with your mindset hey you are an olympic gold medalist you can do this like fucking no it's not you're not good enough have you found that has maintained a more positive outlook generally in your preparation <laughs> yeah have you still found it difficult it's like still early you, days yeah. it's still very early days so i've only fought in one tournament i guess since the jungle was that where you went over to like kyrgyzstan or some shit or am uh, I no, that was early this year that was before the jungle oh okay was that before the jungle oh, yeah right. yeah um but yeah i was it was in perth we fought at the national oh, okay. titles so um yeah, it's very early, in, I guess, in the preparation, but I have noticed, like, the tendencies. It's like we, we, we're patterns. We run the same patterns nonstop. Mm. And I have noticed in some of my training sessions, I find myself going, you're fucking weak, dog. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a good thing, right? It makes you, but as long as you're not, like, leaving there going, like, fuck. Feeling it. Yeah, feeling it, right? Is that yeah. what you use to motivate uh, yourself, like, when you're in those deep training sessions? We had a... We had a big training session yesterday, actually. And, um, huge. I've seen some of your numbers, actually. I saw well, don't look yeah. at all of them. Look at Eddie's, maybe. <laughs> Did you don't see more? Yeah, that's all Not bad. Yeah, I got great. slower over 12 weeks. You almost doubled everything. Yeah. yeah. I got slower over 12 weeks slower. by like a minute. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How do you manage that? <laughs> I did it pretty easily, actually. Uh, yeah, yeah. Don't have a crack. Too much sugar. Yeah, heaps yeah. of piss. 
Yeah, yeah. No, there are ways. Don't worry. I can teach you. If you want to go backwards. I but can. so, you know, so we had a really hectic session. We had a hectic day. session yesterday, but, you know, I, I kept screaming out. Yeah, here's another one, boys. Sorry. Oh, okay. all right, what are we doing? You've done this one before. It's touched something and this chair's oh, in the yeah, best to chairs, touch. Yeah, Matt, well, you're in the, you're yeah, in the, the velvet. Chair. You're in the velvet. 1970s. Everyone loves that chair. Five-piece modular. It's being it. Even just like few shorts. That's stupid. Just, yeah. yeah, yeah. Shout oh, out to uh, Quick Dry Material. It's elite. <laughs> so it's denim. Is this denim or is denim a color? That's denim. Yeah. Denim's a. Uh, I know it's a material, but it's a, like it's a cotton, isn't it? Yeah. Denim's a cotton. Yeah. We've been over this. Time. Yeah, we have. We've been over this. Uh, what are you saying to yourself when you know you fucking you, you're into like your your eighteenth round on the bag or sparring or something, and you're just hurting every party aching? Are you? Do you, is there like a mantra you've got? Do you find yourself reflecting on the same thing or saying the same thing? Or is it horses for courses? It's, oh, there's probably a lot of like swear words in it. Just you fucking weak dog. <laughs> like, yeah, but it's always like, I just, it's almost like, I feel like I'm quite addicted to just seeing, I'm sure Ned Brockman could probably talk into this more than anyone, but it's just like addicted to see how far I can push it, right? And it's like, someone messaged me on Instagram recently, like I'm a boxer, I'm lacking a bit of motivation and, and I was like trying to think of an answer for him. And I actually just think like, I'm addicted to seeing how far I can take this, whatever it is, whether it be boxing, triathlons, mm. anything physical, and just seeing how far I can take it, right? So is that like when you're in, say, like a hectic session though, does that even, does, it, does that energy or that approach pertain to like even just see how hard I can flog myself right now? Yeah. Training in this very moment, like. It, yeah, it's very much, and it, it really helps when you're younger, right? But I'm only 26, but I have noticed in the last two years, you're recovering slower, your muscles are aching a little bit more. 34, <laughs> exactly right. But when, when you're 18, 19, you can, you can thrash yourself with no yeah. recovery. Um, but yeah, I think, I don't know, every session it's almost like blue gate, let's go, let's set, like, let's set, and not every session am I reaching my PBs, not every session, but every session I'm like, trying to push myself and i think every high performing athlete does right it's just part of part of what you have to do because if you don't do it someone else is going to do it and they're yeah. going to fucking smash it when you show up have you got a do you feel like you've got a you know 26 you've been doing it for a long time now a good understanding of what pushing what there's pushing yourself and then there's taking the piss out of yourself you know what i mean like red like there's redlining and there's just like black pushing line, yourself to, yeah <laughs> yeah black, like, like you're gonna break something like are you do you are you sort of conscious of where that line is or are you still trying to find out what that is yeah i think we are conscious of what that is i think most high performing athletes are always teetering on the edge of like overtraining and performing like you're always teetering on that like the sickness and like you're always teetering on that edge mm. and that, that's probably where you find the most results um but yeah i have definitely felt like a prime example early this week i mean like nine weeks out i'm trying to get that big foundation base of fitness built trained like four or five times in the day and then the next day i was i was fucked four Stupid. or five times in the day yeah so i woke up what i do i woke up did a hard running session 12 400s on a certain oh, day bro, 12 we're talking, we're talking about them like, <laughs> they're, they, they're the worst thing you can do <laughs> they're a bastard the worst thing you can do <laughs> 12 of them 12 400 you'd rather do six 800s and 12 400s. Yeah. Right? they're awful yeah it was it was terrible and then uh one how long did that take you uh oh good question probably like 40 minutes like oh there was a bit, bit of bit of space in between them as well that's, i mean it, i'd still be going okay yeah. so that's a, that's like seven in the morning or what time are you starting that in the day that's uh, so seven in the morning seven. yeah first session and then I, I get back home and and my mate goes like 
I'm, I'm living with him. Jack Benny loves a podcast. Shout out to he's, Jack. A, he's a um, cyclist, man. and he's like, "Mate, do you want to come out for a ride? I just got your new bike." One of his mates lent me. I'm like, "Oh, I can't really say no." Don't want to say I'm weak. So we went for a ride at ten, and then I had uh, weights uh, two, and then boxing at four, and then I had ballet that night as well. Ballet is fucking quite hard too. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, it was, that, but that was that's stupid. That's, right? yeah, that's, that's stupid. Yeah. I probably shouldn't have done that bike session. Everything else would have been fine, but we went pretty hard on the bike too. Um, but yeah, then, then I felt it the next day, and that was true because then my performance the next day dropped, and it's not good enough the next day. So you got to be you got to be kind of careful about pushing way too hard. Are you training every single day? Do you have day off? I, I'm supposed to have Sundays off, but I, I find it fucking pretty hard to be honest. You just want yeah. to, you just want to like I just always want to move my body, and I always find when I don't train. There is periods like after comp, like I put after Perth a few weeks back, I put on ten kilos in two weeks. Like, don't worry, I was having a good old time. 10 so, kilos in two yeah. weeks. So oh. I've always been like just an extremist, like a great man, good friend of the podcast, Ned Brockman. Yes. Um, he said moderation's for cowards, and I couldn't agree <laughs> more. Moderation, and that's that's in everything, positive or negative. Yeah, <laughs> moderation well, is for cowards. I subscribe to that mantra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, oh, I'm a big moderation is for cows. No, I completely agree with that. Everyone's always like, "Oh, because I've given up coffee this week." It was like this time last week. I was probably for having, just this week. Oh uh, well, this week I always set little goals for myself every week. This week's coffee, mm. um, and I'll probably I feel great. So like I didn't feel good three days, two days no, ago, yeah, yeah. but I feel good now. Um, but it's like this time last week I was having seven coffees, and some of them are double shot. Just like I'm everything a, is extreme. I'm a huge fucking. I get a Macca's large ice. Oh. It's too much. I go Tom. He's that's always ridiculous. like, you, like you, you don't. You don't need the four XL, mate. I do though. You don't. It's nice to sip on the VB long there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, exactly. outrageous. Do you do you have naps during the day? Uh, when never? I'm not drinking coffee, fuck yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I um, I always like between my first and second session nap or try to. Not not every day you're able to, but and then. Get up for the second session and go. But I sleep like nine hours a night as well. I was going to ask you how often you, yeah. Yeah, nine hours a night. And I love my pro. Like, it's the most important thing for recovery. Ice bars, Novatec boots, all that shit. It's like, it's important. It's like one or one to five percent. But sleep is like 50% of your recovery. This is going to sound dumb, but I've been getting into me sleep a lot recently. I was not prioritizing my sleep. We've been over this. You were going to bed too late. I was going to bed at 11, 12 o'clock. And then I'm just fucking around. Up early, kids. Mate, I've I've moved mine as I'm well. I'm in bed by like eight thirty now. I'm, starting, I'm just chilling and it's yeah, like yeah. whenever I go down. I've started I'm starting to look at like nine fifteens now. Loving it. Like nine fifteen, up at six fifteen, nine hours. Yeah. Oh, hey, oh mate, you feel unbelievable. Yeah, I've really thought really about this, right? Because I, I actually think a massive portion of this population just operate at this like halfway frequency. They're operating at a shit frequency and they think that's normal. Yeah. They think that they feel like sluggish all the time. That's not normal. No. We're no. actually like, we're like Ferraris. Our bodies are like Ferraris if we want to treat them that way. Yeah. And it's like when you get sleep, when you drink water, when you probably don't have too much caffeine, you have a decent diet, not amazing diet, but decent diet. It's like you will feel so much like better, yeah. not sluggish. And sleep just the easiest all, all, I'm, all I'm asking you to do here is nothing. Just do nothing <laughs> earlier in the night. Yeah. Just fucking close your eyes yep. and you're going to wake up and feel a million dollars. Today, fucking I had like eight, nine hours sleep last yeah. night. I woke up fucking 5.30. Look at you. Look at me. I'm fucking beaming. Now, <laughs> I've had about three litres of coffee today, but we're, you know, <laughs> baby steps. Baby steps, buddy. Baby, baby steps. steps. So, what? Are, I always find it interesting, like, you know, 
the improvements that you can make, like you're an athlete already, you're like you've been professional, you like are they really minor improvements that over a period of time sort of add up? And like, what are the things that you, do you have specific focuses where you're like, maybe you're a, you're quicker and you're smaller. So like you want to work on your power or speeds, your, your strength. So you want to just try and make it even better. Or is it across the board? Like how do you approach improvement in the boxing sense? So I'm, I'm really grateful that I guess now I have gone back to the amateurs because in the amateurs it's government run. So there's like, it's like an organization and they, they generally have everything at your fingertips. You've mm. got a, a strength coach, you've got a boxing coach, um, you've got a dietitian, sports psych and, and like, yeah, you're not making money, but you've got all those services, right? And it's, it's great because all of them are like specialties in their field. And I, as an athlete, my job's easy. I just show up and fucking perform. Mm. Like try your hardest. That's it. Whatever they say, they say jump, you say how, how high. And, I think obviously there is certain things that I focus on when my boxing coach tells me certain things. Like I'm not a massive puncher. I know I never have been. And there's a few things that I can work on in my weights so that would transition into into the boxing. But it's just very much showing up and having a fucking dip, like having a crack. That's right. all it is. Like yeah. that. That's all an athlete's job is. And like athletes, don't get me wrong, is it like any industry, there's like positives and negative things that, that go on. But it's like, mate, my job, I get paid to do something I love, right? I don't make money anymore, but like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm doing something I love every day. I don't really have to worry about bills that much as, anymore, but it's like, it's the best. Like my life is not hard. Anyone who says an athlete's life is hard, it's like, hey, go do, you obviously don't love what you do. Go do yeah. something else. Go try and be deal, Dave. Real tough. <laughs> <laughs> Real tough. <laughs> how are these, how are these, uh, are they still called amateur competitions? Or are they... Like, how would you describe Olympic boxing? Is it's not amateur anymore? Or it is. Yeah, so professional boxers can go, but it's still classified as amateur boxing. Right. Um, they probably shouldn't. They probably should change the wording of both amateur and professional. It's just three round boxing. It's just, it's like a tennis tournament. You lose, you're out. Yep. You I mean you can fight the best guy first up? You can fight the worst, the worst guy first up. Just the luck of the draw, I guess. But I um, the standard. I've really thought about this recently. The standard between like amateur and professional. I think. Professional is a business. I do think the quality is higher. Like yeah. at that top end, the quality is pretty fucking good. Canelo Alvarez, yeah. the lightweights at the moment, they look fucking amazing. Like I think the quality is better because money's involved. But I think overall, I think amateurs is more honest and more pure because like you don't get to pick who you fight. You don't get to have a cushioned record until you're 20, you know, and you're in rated because you've fought all the, you've picked and chose who you're yep, fighting. Yeah. Like, you, I could go next year, right, train my, and I could fight the guy who wins the gold medal in my first fight, right? You mean? Or, so it's not seeded. No, nah, there is some seedings, but like it's very, very minimal. Very right. minimal, yeah. So it's just the luck of the draw. How often can you fight in a day? How many times? Once what, a day. Just once? Yeah. yeah, once a day. And there has to be like, I think it's like 12 hours between fights. So like, say if you fight at night, you can't fight until tomorrow the next day or something like that yeah so right there is a couple of rules but it's very much just one, one a day um the hard thing about amateur boxing you got to weigh in every day you fight so like 63 and a half is going to be right. a push oh so you can't cut really you can, you can but you just got to be very careful about what you put on because you got to weigh in the next time you fight so is it kind of better then that you that you got to weigh in every day in the sense that you're you're fighting more at your true weight or are you just constantly cutting you can't yeah you're constantly cutting you can't you can't cut as much as professional boxing Definitely not. Like I, in professional boxing, I was making 61, 61 easy. And then you put, like, I put on like seven or eight kilos in 30 hours and then you fight the next day, right? 
And you're fine because you don't have to weigh in again. Yeah. What do you weigh generally now? Like what would you 70? 70 yeah. So what do you fight at? 63 and a half. Yeah. yeah. So you're so still cutting a little bit. Still cutting a bit. My, I think my optimal training weight would be like 68. Yep. That's what I feel like really good. Like not feeling sick at any point. Not feeling mm. lack of energy. Um, but yeah, like it's, that's the hard thing. You're almost like you fight nine minutes. It's a short fight. Nine minutes, fire space. And then after your fight, every boxer is getting in their sweat gear, getting ready for the next weigh-in. You have a harder session after your fight than what you do fighting. Wow. Because you want to make weight again. You're to make and weight. And then you put it back on and then you fight. And then yeah. you, Jesus yeah. Christ. And how many fights can you have in a tournament? A big tournament like the Olympics, no more than five. No more than five. Yeah, so Com Games 2018, I have five fights in 10 days. Yep. Yeah. Damn. Yep. Are you sore from previous fights like if you get like bruised face and shit and you're like coming in to throw down again <laughs> yeah I th the biggest thing because they've taken head guards off now because professional boxing is quite slow paced because there's longer rounds and short smaller gloves so a bit more crowd pleasing one punch knockout or something like that but amateur boxing is fast pace right it's very fast pace you're fitting in a lot in nine minutes and there's a lot of head clashes a lot of mm. cuts so that's probably the biggest thing if you get cut in your first fight you're thinking fuck i've got to manage this throughout yeah. the tournament yeah and if that opens, the referee sometimes stops the contest. Um, but yeah, besides that, like, mate, once you <laughs> once you limber up, bit of WD forty in the joints, <laughs> you, yeah, yeah, you fly, yeah, you fly. Do you ever do you ever cut man at like in between rounds? Yeah, if you need. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. So there's it's always, there's that three way. coaches. Yeah, three coaches in the yeah. corner. There's um, primary primary coach, secondary coach, and then there's the cut man. Yep. Okay. Yep. Are you allowed boy boys like couple of couple yeah. of fellas in the corner there? To, like, yeah, you water boys. Back. Your boys coming in. Yeah, we yeah. we come back in. Yeah, we, come we, on, like come. we yeah we see ourselves as, as boy boys like boy the boys and yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, or the boy. Hey, imagine doing that for the whole Australian team. <laughs> Well, Love listen, that. our priority would be you, but if the nation needs us, we'll fucking we'll dedicate some time. <laughs> we can boy, we can boy other boys and girls. Yeah, Dean Boxall thinks he's fucking got energy. Do you walk out to music? Uh, nah, nah. You some don't. some tournaments you do, but not the Olympics. Oh, and saying that actually, I'm pretty sure I did walk out to um, oh, yeah, walked out to K San. Um, Love that. Was my choice. Yeah. Love that. What a try. Get you up and about. Yeah. What's the tactics like for a three round? How long are the three three minutes? Three threes. Yeah. Three threes? Like what's the Obviously, tactically, I assume it's a little bit different than when you've got a uh, like a longer professional fight. Yeah, it, it's it's one of those things, right? Because you know who you're fighting usually in the professionals one month, two months, three months in advance. Yep. So you can prepare. You can get all your sparring tailored to the person you're fighting. It's like in amateur boxing, you just got to prepare for everyone. And I think the best athletes are the ones who can adapt the quickest because it's like you get in there after a minute, you've read the bloke already and you go, okay, these are, this is what he does. This is what he likes to do. Like, and you can read it very quickly in the bet. Right. That's in a minute. It's yeah, it's pretty quick. And that's what <laughs> getting, getting deep again, my childhood, right? Like I love my mom to bitch. She's an amazing lady, but she was raising three boys and I'm the youngest. And I used to have to like walk in and my mom was that stressed out that like I would walk in and, Either my mum's fucking flipping it or, like, my mum's okay. But it was just very much, like, I felt so uneasy walking into my house and I'd have to read my mum's energy quickly. Right, yeah. And that's one of the gone. biggest assets to have in boxing. So yeah. thanks, mum. Appreciate it, appreciate it. Because that's all boxing is, right? You, you're walking in and you're just, you're just reading the guy's energy, reading him real quick. What's he doing? Where's he twitching? Like, what what can I fucking, you mean? Make him do, make him fight my fight. Like, how can I? And that's that's all boxing is. It's the best. So you're reading like, just like what, like almost body tells and shit. Like, yeah, I don't know if it's like consciously, but I very much do think it is subconscious. Like, it's very primitive and yeah. primal. And yeah. and I think just like any sport, right? Like when you see K1 
Kelly Slater surfing, it's like he's not thinking, he's just doing. Yeah. Yeah, it's so... Flow state. So instinctual and just, it's just happening. Like, he's just in the flow, yeah. Are you almost watching yourself going, fuck, dude, nice punch. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, where'd, you, where'd that come from, <laughs> bro? That was mad. There, there is some sometimes inspiring. I probably haven't felt that that much in, in a fight, but sometimes inspiring when you spar, like when you're in flow and you're sparring someone who's probably a bit lesser than you, and you're fucking Pace moving good. You're thinking, jeez, that was good. <laughs> it doesn't happen that often. <laughs> <laughs> and so how's it scored uh so it's the same as professional boxing 10 nine rounds 10 right now okay. if there's a knockdown or uh, like a point loss or like a really clear dominance 10 eight have they changed that because i remember watching boxing back in the day where like there would be a score that was like ticking up on the on the telecast yeah so there used to be point system and i know the point system was was kind of cool i grew up in that and it's just like if you hit the area with a certain part of your glove, yep. you get one point. Yep. It's a clear shot. But there was a lot of corruption in that, just like there is corruption in this one too. But mm. um, yeah, I think I, I personally like this one better because it's more based on like like ring dominance. Yep. Right? It's based on like, as a fighter, you kind of know like if you've won or lost. Like you can understand that fights are close and it could go either way. Mm. And a big portion of amateur boxing, three rounds isn't enough time to really determine a winner. Um, but like, I think it's just like ring dominance, and you can sort of see, you can sort of tell who wins most most rounds. Yeah. What do you think about like the state of like do you or do you keep a close eye on the state of boxing in Australia now and like globally? Like, do you enjoy the professional side of it? I, I love I love sport in general, right? But I don't particularly follow it too much. But I do know that we're in a golden era of boxing right now. Yeah. Like this is an exciting time. Obviously, what Tim Zhu is doing overseas, about to fight in Gold Coast soon against Mendoza, who's like the second best guy in the division besides Charlo, obviously, but he's yeah. fighting Canelo. That's like, neither of those boys needed to take that fight. And it's like, I fucking respect that so much. Yeah. Mano v Mano, let's, let's get Tim's it on. Tim's been pretty cool like that since since uh, Charlo's been fucking, I mean, it's hard third. for me that to be say third he's fight. ducking considering <laughs> I'm a, who I am. Like, you know, he's a fucking <laughs> pussy, mate. Yeah, Charlo's a pussy. But like, the fact that he has been taking all these fights in between, it's almost like, uh, already respected him obviously but like he's got more respect well, he's got way more respect i think from the 100%. general public as well like just for the it's it's like holy shit this guy's yeah he's he's, he's not taking the easy fights yeah and i love that and this is going to be an absolute belter of a fight absolute belter that mendoza hasn't he's fought three times <clears throat> i think three knockouts in a row against class opponents like he's he's really good really crafty he wasn't expected to win most of those three fights but he's 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 on the, he's on the like He's on the projects up, and and so is Tim. So it's a fucking great fight, great fight for boxing. Why don't you watch it? Just not like that. That interested generally, or is it like is there part of it that there's some sort of like? So like all sport, I love I love watching the art. It's like watching. <laughs> this is a weird one, but I went to a a piano concert when I was in Melbourne. Mm. Like this guy was like fucking world famous. Mm. I just love watching someone who's like amazing at what they do, mm. world best or whatever. They could be the fucking the best ticket inspector, and in, you know what I mean. Just like just watching them. That's go very to specific. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like thinking, fuck over yeah, again. Best ticket parking number. officer of all time. <laughs> yeah. Look how efficient he is. Look just at look at the way he moves. Oh, the fuck! Look at him. You know what I'm saying? Someone who's really good. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> but like, I think um, what were we talking about? Uh, <laughs> just about why, why, like, why, why don't you watch boxing? Oh, yeah. boxing? I think I, I love watching the art, but I um. I'm a doer. I like doing things. Okay. Yeah, I don't like. I'm. I like being in the arena. I don't like critiquing on the side. And that's. I'm the opposite. 
Yeah. No, I don't know. You boys ran a run a marathon, didn't you? Yeah. Well, we did run a marathon. Listen, yeah, you did. didn't need to bring it up, but uh, <laughs> we did. We did run a marathon last year. <laughs> yeah. um, Dining out on it still. And you know what? This year we were marathon ambassadors because of it. Yeah. So you never know. No. Where your next gig's coming from. <laughs> <laughs> you never know what's going to put food on the table. <laughs> um, you do like you do a bit of commentary as well, right, with the uh, main event and stuff. Do you enjoy that? Yeah, it's, <laughs> there's something about live TV that is just such a thrill because it's like you could fuck your life up right now. It's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> such a thrill to it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. And obviously, like, post-boxing, I hope I'm going into something like that. Um, obviously, we like to do things as well, like – a big portion of my life has been so self-focused on my goals, my dreams, my ambitions, where it's like, I've felt it in the last couple of years where it's like, I think there's a natural thing that life isn't actually about us as individuals. It's about the impact we can have on other people. Mm. You probably notice that when you're a father, like, or, or you're helping other people with, with whatever. So I definitely think I'd love to go into commentary, but I also want to do something where it's like, you're giving back while also being rewarded as well. Mm. You said last time when we were on here, and I remember Tom told the story about you like to put yourself in situations that make you uncomfortable, like you were oh, washing yeah. windows and stuff. What have you been up to lately? I've done Anything a, you want to share? Yeah, I've done a few good ones. Um, so like, I don't know how uncomfortable, maybe <laughs> this is probably a funny story. Um, I, was at, I went to a nude beach. Oh, yeah. I, I, I love getting naked. I'm well, I've seen you in a zoot suit. He's got he's hogged up. It was <laughs> yeah. after a run or something. I'm like, yeah, I could see that at a nude beach. I sure. could pretty much see it anyway. <laughs> the Sunshine Coast, and I look up online where like where's it hidden nude beach, and, and I and I go to this beach. It's it's pretty early in the morning, maybe like nine o'clock. No one on the beach. I'm thinking, fuck, this is a bit quiet. Anticlimactic. Yeah, anticlimax. So I'm, I'm sitting there, just got naked, just sitting there having a good time. And then, like, 10 Asian tourists, fully clothed, walking. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I think I've got the wrong fucking beach. <laughs> I think I've got the wrong beach. Well, and I'm messaging about the, the people who helped me, helped me find the place. I'm like, I think I'm at the wrong beach. Because they just dropped me off. There were two girls. They dropped me off and they went to another beach. I think I'm at the fucking wrong beach. <laughs> oh, my so God. I'm just, like, dude. laying there naked. <laughs> Asian tourists are walking past. I'm like, fuck. Were you at the wrong were beach? Were you at the wrong beach? Well, we ended up doing, so there was a smaller beach, like, like the one across. So, yes, I was at the wrong beach. Oh, my yeah. God. I'm lucky it was early in the morning. Big <laughs> sandy hog just laying <laughs> imagine, there. Fucking imagine <laughs> getting done for, like, you know, indecent exposure or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Fuck, that's the last yeah. thing at the moment. Harry Garside's <laughs> found fucking Mate, I respect, butt-ass naked. I respect you doing that. I remember me and Ella, were, there's a, a nudist beach in like near Balmoral and I was like oh we'll go down there nice day and she's like if it's a nudist beach I'm like nah there won't be anyone down there get down there and it's fucking packed <laughs> like hundreds of nudists down there oh, and really? I was just like we're just walking around me and Ella and I'm like maybe looking for a spot to like perch up not get naked but like just get in the water and then I just look at each other I'm like but like I mean not going to a nudist me. beach and not getting naked it's kind of like yeah, you're ex- drawing so much you're, you're drawing more attention to yourself than the Too dude much. with his dick <laughs> no, out we like. were looking for like an area like there was you know a bit sort of quiet semi nude semi well just like not new. Not new, right? <laughs> we're on the wrong beach. Uh, but there was no part of me that's like, fuck it. No. Nah, not my cup of tea. Yeah, this, I, this, I get it for a Sorry, you go. Yeah, this month you're hogged up, so maybe that's oh, the yeah. <laughs> This month I'm doing, um, is it Colonic? Is that what it's called? Oh, yeah. We, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm sort of running out of ideas. Like, there's a few things on my list that I, that I really need to tick off, like stand-up comedy. Um, yeah, I'm organising that yeah. in November. That's going to be an absolute cracker because I'm, I'm. Can you let us know when you do it? <laughs> I don't Please think I'll be anyone know. <laughs> <laughs> I've told all my we'll mates. We'll promote it on the podcast. I've, t- I've told all my mates in high school. They're like, fuck, make sure you let us know. We'll come. We won't even fucking laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to awkward that. Maybe my mates rock up. They don't fucking show Just any support. There, like, no, exactly. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> mate of mine did it because he lost a bet. He like came last in his NFL fantasy and. 
He did it in New York, but one of my other mates filmed him doing it. It was one of the toughest watches I've ever it been was. It was. <laughs> shout out Johnny Gate. It was appalling. It, and and <laughs> you're like, you just go, like you're, tr- you're transported into the room when he's doing it. You're just like, holy <laughs> shit, dude. Oh, my God. Have you boys ever done any stand-up? No. No, no, we did something at the comedy club. We've done like live events and shit, which like there's a, there's an element of like but that, stand-up, but that but one it's, not, the, it's not like, oh, here's a joke I've written, you yeah. know what I mean, where it's like, and it's on you. But we were trying to make people laugh with- True. That was like a set. Yes, we had a set. Oh, I've never been more nervous. <laughs> but it <laughs> was. Life, like, it, was it, it, it was like, so the great cricketer, friends of the show, they did a live show at the comedy store. We opened for him, and this was when we were like, this was a few years ago now, like our audience is much smaller. Most people wouldn't have known who we were in the crowd. So you're not like doing a fucking something in front of your audience that knows you. Like you've got a friendly audience there, so like they're going to already get all your shtick. So we were fucking bricking it, dude. Like couldn't <laughs> sleep, like couldn't sleep the night before. I'm like laying on his couch like at four in the hour before we got to go do it, and I'm trying to fall asleep just to like get a couple of – well, we're literally just fucking coming. We still hadn't like finished it. We hadn't written it, and but he was in radio at the time, so he's getting up at like three in the morning to go to work. So he had to have a nap, and I'm like, dude, we haven't written it. He's like, I need to have a nap. I'm like, Jesus <laughs> Christ, mate. We're up against it. He was writing it, rewriting it. And he'd, he hadn't mentioned it to me, but he was like shitting himself about the fact that we could bomb. I hadn't even considered that. He said this to me after. He's like, I didn't even thought it. I'm like, how the fuck did you not consider <laughs> I that go, this isn't going to go well? I, I was like, I wouldn't. If you'd put that in my head, I don't know if I would have got up there. I would have been like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. I'm having a sickie. No. Nah. Like, thank Christ it worked. We got a couple of laughs early out the gate, but mate, if we didn't get those early laughs. Ooh, it's like the baby. ultimate humiliation, isn't it? Like, yeah. that it's is like Because no, no human wants to be embarrassed. It's yeah. like, that is the worst yeah. thing. And it is good. Like, I can see the element of like, Putting yourself, I know you like to do it, like in these uncomfortable situations. There's very little that's like that socially uncomfortable than something like that where you're so exposed and like having a fucking, you just, it's, it's so obvious the success and failure because the feedback is immediate and it's like, oh shit. If you play music, you know, like you're playing a song up there or something, like you don't really have a fucking idea if anyone likes it or not. You might know if people really love it, but if people hate it, it's a bit of a different story. Yeah. I saw one of the ones you were doing where you were holding like a yoga pose and I was oh, like, you that, couldn't yeah. have picked like a more fucked pose. <laughs> so <laughs> like, someone, someone said, it's a, called the frog pose and someone someone sent it to me on Instagram. It's like, I think it was We're going to put a picture of it in the YouTube. <laughs> yes, yeah, some yogi bear sent it to me on, on Instagram. It was like, Apparently it's trauma release. I did that for like, so a minute and a half first day. It was 28 days, month of Feb. And by the end of it, I think it was 48 minutes. In my and that's crazy. what was wigging me out. I was like, doing it for a minute's fine. But that position for 40 <laughs> minutes. I was crying for some of it. Oh, there really? Some days where I was generally crying. Like where I was like, it is actually supposed to be apparently some like trauma releases. I don't, Maybe like it some, fucking hurts. Yeah, some spiritual <laughs> thing. But like there was sometimes I was like laughing, crying. Like I went through a whole range of emotions that month. And like, wow! But I was trying to work out whether uh, there's a part of me that wants to get down to the ground and try and show you what it is. But <laughs> can you show me? You may as well. And look, I'm getting your critiques. I might get it wrong, but like, oh, he's in jeans as well. Yeah, it's sort of like this, right? Like, you're sort of like, yeah, you're on your on your yeah, like, like that. that, yeah. A little bit further in, like as in your knees. <laughs> knees bring a your knees in. under you. Yeah, knees under you. And then yeah, but you got you got jeans on. And then you're trying to bring your knees out as far as you yeah. can. Yeah. And he's doing that, and I hope no one's still trying. Fucking, wasn't exactly poetry in motion, but like, 
I would have thought that might actually do you some damage. I was pretty stiff, and I was training like full time at that time as well, because I was competing in Europe, and I was I was generally pretty stiff in my hip flexors for sure. <laughs> Yeah. Were you a bit like, okay, maybe let's not do one where I could fucking be injured? <laughs> you know, when you're in it, you're sort of just like, oh, I've, said I've, I've said I'm doing this. Yeah. It's so important, right? Like, I've always thought when we're the most unhappy or when I'm the most unhappy with myself, it's when you're not upholding those little promises you make for yourself. Yeah. And then anytime I'm ever unhappy or any time I'm ever flat, the next day I fast for 24 hours. It's like a little reset for myself because it's like I get my word back when I fast. It's a hard thing to do and you fucking do okay, it. Okay, so like if you if you haven't done what you said you're going to do, then you're like... Say if I'm feeling flat, it's consistently over time. I'm going, geez, I'm feeling a bit shit. Like, and I don't know what's going on. The next day fast and it's like usually just a, such a reset because it's like I take power back and I've got my word back. What yeah. do you... Is that... Do you think it is a mental reset or do you think it's like a physiological uh, reset as there well? There obviously is like scientific evidence about what fasting can do to you but it's more mental everything's more mental for me like do you ever fast longer than that uh i'm actually i've done three days before i'm gonna try and do a seven day in december seven yeah seven yeah. days that's gonna be an can you drink challenge. water yeah yeah, yeah water no, and black coffee water, right? water and black coffee that'll be the okay right yeah just get in the lay of the land. No, no, <laughs> no. You'd be dead, though, I think, if you did that. You're right. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. maybe this guy's superhuman. Well, there's know. that, too. Because Willie, Mace, Willie Mason's a big faster. Yeah, he's he a He goes 72 hours all the time. Yeah. Yeah. He was in He was in the middle of a 72-hour fast, wasn't he, when he, he came was, in? He was, yeah. Yeah. Just, like, lemon in water and yeah. shit. How I don't did, know the full science behind it, but there is, I think it's, like, it obviously regenerates you. It apparently kills cancer cells. Apparently it builds muscle somehow, because when you then do eat and train, you're, like, your body... Like seems to latch onto it and get bigger, right? Because it, it, it thinks it's going to be stressed again. Yeah. So there's a few things to it. I'm fasting, and you know I'm a faster these days. Uh, you don't. You've got. Th you haven't done three days. Fuck no, I've done it. Producer, day. producer Tommy Tobler, he fasted for 48 hours because he had to get down to 85 kilos in order to win a bet. He lost. He lost like 15 kilos for the marathon, right? Uh, which is fantastic. Congratulations, mate. But then we were like, if you get to 85 or under. We'll give you like cash. It was like a fucking incentive if you can get there. <laughs> cash prize. Uh, cash prize. Yeah. <laughs> and mate, he's, I got in her on the way in on the Monday and I've just opened the door and he's already sitting at his desk and he's looked over me and I'm like, fuck, dude, what's wrong with you? And he's like, I haven't eaten since Saturday. I'm just trying to cut weight to get under fucking 85 kilos. It was ridiculous. Yeah, he did two pisses. He's like, so what, is this like the only way we get? I go, how many ways do you think you're always going to keep weighing you in forever until you win the bet, mate? In his robe and shit. And I'm like, go on, go on, fucking get the last little bit out of it. But you didn't You didn't even just scrape under. You got quite a Point six. Yeah. Point six. Okay, so like not shitloads under, but enough. Yeah, like enough, you're under. Yeah. Where can we, how can we keep along with your journey? Are we going to be able to watch you in November? Is that uh, something I can tune into? Because I'd like to. Yeah, it's a good question. I think there probably would be a link somewhere. It's the Pacific Games in Solomon Islands. Okay. Um, there'd be a few other, few other sports as well um, that are going on. It's like a big multi-sport event. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think there would be a link. But pretty much between now and like I'm just traveling heaps. Like I won't be in Sydney that much. I love Sydney. I won't be in Melbourne that much. I love like Melbourne is where my family is. I'll just be like overseas or mm. interstate training or here and there, like just very much living out of a suitcase the next What's year. What's the, between now and that fight or in the next year? Next year. Yeah, right. Yep. Okay. In between now and your Pacific Games, are you sort of pretty sedentary? Like you're not. Uh, so I do go to Italy and Germany next month just for competition and training. Oh, shit. Yeah. 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 And then I come back for, I think, two weeks back to Melbourne. I'll be here in Sydney until then, but 
come back after Europe to Melbourne for two weeks and to Brisbane to train then to Solomon Island. So just always moving. Yeah. yeah. As an amateur, do you have to fund those trips yourself? I used to have to. So how, how shit's this, right? So 18 years old, fresh out of school. Um, I was working with my dad as a roof tiler, slave labour, 500 bucks a fucking day, <laughs> a slave labour, like yeah. working really hard for my old man. And I was training in the morning and then I'd have to train at night after after work. And I tried for the Rio Olympics when I was 18 years old, took a few months off work trying to sort of get to the Olympics. Failed to make it and I still had to pay for the trips because I wasn't on the funding list. So I was on oh. $15,000 debt. Oh. <laughs> and I'm like on 500 bucks a week <laughs> trying to be an aspiring boxer. Um, but then fortunately, I think just before the Com Games, I got put on the funding list. So there's not many boxers that are on the funding list. But So you got put on specifically? Yeah, just like if you keep showing performances internationally, then, then you finally okay. get put on. But not every boxer is put on. Wow. Yeah. So some people do have to still pay to get over there. and Amateur them. athletes. Everyone always thinks like the swimmers and stuff like that are on, are on decent coin. I reckon... The highest paid, they would obviously have brand deals, which would be quite decent if they got some personality. But I reckon the swimmers, the, the highest paid swimmer would be on like $80,000, right? Outside of their brand deals. Even I don't even know if they'd be on $80,000 now I think about it because like I'm a podium athlete now and I get a little bit of funding and it's nothing near $80,000. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Gee, like you think about like rowers and fucking sailors and shit. Like, you got to be fucking... They wouldn't dedicated. get. They wouldn't get anything. You got to be dedicated, seriously dedicated. So, how? What does qualification look like? Like, what needs to happen for you? So we've um we've had three, it's a three step process. Your yep. state titles mm-hmm. done. Yep. National title done in Perth recently, and then you got three chances internationally to qualify. And the first one is the Pacific Games. You got to win it. Yep. So if you win that, you qualify. If you okay. don't, there's two chances next year. But the aim is to qualify before Christmas. Have a few big beers with dad at Christmas Day and yeah. eat a bit of Christmas ham, yep. <laughs> put on a bit of weight, and then yep. next year it's just full steam ahead. Yeah. Is, there any, is there any other Australians in your division or you're the only? Only Australian. Okay. Yep. So yes. you just go over to Pacific Islands and beat everyone in the Pacific? That's the aim, yep. Beat them all. And so that's like no one from Asia, just Australia, New Zealand and the islands? The la- Yeah, just Australia, New Zealand and the islands. And we yep. used to, um, the last two Olympics, we had to go through Asia and fuck, that was so much harder. I bet it was. So much harder. Like, Prime example, 2012, we went through Pacific Games, full team who qualified. Mm-hmm. The next Olympics, we qualified three boxes. Yeah. Wow. And is that all of Asia? Is that like Iran and Iraq yeah, and like the Middle, yeah, East, Middle East? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah the yeah. best countries are boxing, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan. Yeah. The two best countries, right? <laughs> They're in there. It's like, fuck. Well, fucking oath. Well, let's go over there and pound yeah. some Pacific yeah. ass. <laughs> 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 Thanks for coming on, man. Good to Legend. see you. Of course, boys. Thanks, Thanks brother. Good, Good luck. luck. Could you two just not talk anymore?